March is here, and it would be madness to miss the awesome, cozy winter weekend special at the Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach. Enjoy a two-night stay, room service dessert, and more. Experience the serenity of the winter ocean from the warmth of your oceanfront suite. You don't have to go far away to get away from it all. Visit BoardwalkPlaza.com and book your winter getaway today. And let's not forget amazing dining at Victoria's Restaurant. Open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week, all year long. Reservations are not necessary, but always welcome. Call 800-33-BEACH or reserve at opentable.com. Thanks to the Boardwalk Plaza for being the Bridge Podcast Network sponsor. Some of my favorite conversations have happened over the rims of mugs. I'm Denise Harper, co-host of The Bridge Morning Show with Denise and Chris and program director for The Bridge. There's something special about sitting across the table from a friend, whether we've known them forever or for just a minute, with a good cup of coffee and an open heart. I hope today's conversation will inspire and encourage you. Welcome to another episode of Over the Rims of Mugs. I'm Denise Harper. Today, we're broadcasting from an amazing coffee shop. It is Rise Up Coffee in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And we're honored to be here today. Um, We love, if you're just listening and not watching, then you're probably wondering. It does sound a little different today. We've got some music in the background. You might hear baristas at work. Uh, You might hear the steamers for the coffee and everything. But we have the same conversation that will hopefully encourage your heart today and point you uh, right toward the Lord. And my guest today is Cheryl Truitt. Welcome, Cheryl. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. We have known each other for a very long time. Yes. But I don't know that I've ever really heard your story. (laughs) And so when I was thinking... It's still still being written. uh, Of course. (laughs) And don't you love that? Mm Mm-hmm. I love I do. it. We do occasionally try to pick up the pen and write it ourselves. Mm. But I love that God is writing our story and we can be encouraged and yeah. take take um, peace in that and mm-hmm. also delight in that. Yes. Because his thoughts and his plans for us are so much bigger than we could ever think. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> you think back to when you were like 17 or 18 and I, I know I had, I had my five-year plan and yeah. this was going to happen and what I expected and... You know, probably only one of like five of those things actually happened the way I thought it should. <laughs> <laughs> but other things happened along the way that um, bring you closer to him. Big surprises and yeah, yeah challenges sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, as we're starting out, tell me about your family. You're look. You're from this area. Yeah. I um, I grew up in Delaware and. Um, um, Mom and Dad took us to church right from you know the get. I probably was in church before I was born. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know so, how that yeah. works. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty pretty average family life, but but a good family life. My my mother and father were are good parents and um, appreciate the the life that we had. I I grew up. I went to Caesar Rodney High School. I graduated from there in '77. Then went to. Virginia for college and became a school teacher and uh, I did the full 30 years here in Delaware but wow. I had I had three years in Virginia before that so um, I retired in 2015 
and I know I have a young voice, but <laughs> I'm not that young. <laughs> you, what did you teach? I most of my career it was sixth grade science in the public school. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was a good age for me, but a lot of people shy away from middle school. But it was it was like I was made for it. I loved mm. I loved the sixth graders. Did you make it fun? Most of the time, whenever I could, you know, science is fun. Yes. You know, hands on, active, and yeah, yeah it was yeah. fun. Siblings? I just have one brother, um, Freddie. He's uh, well. You all have to call him Fred, but he's Freddie to me. <laughs> of course. But um, but yeah, he's two years older than me. In fact, he if I can go into this part of my life, um, he's very significant in my um, coming to know the Lord. Uh, he got saved before me while he was at uh, James Madison University. And uh, at that school, it's a secular school, but um, back in the day, <laughs> there was a ministry called InterVarsity, yeah. and they had um, a very strong uh, Madison Christian Fellowship on the campus, and some of those guys got a hold of my brother, and his life changed so much, and I watched that being mm. two years younger. And then I ended up going to the same college. Okay. And uh, his his one thing to me was you have to come to to Ivy at least at least one time while you're here. And so I went the first Sunday that I was on campus. I hadn't even turned 18 yet. And um, and uh, the speaker just really grabbed my heart when he talked about the love of God and how personal it was. And he ended with his talk, he ended with, if you don't know that God loves you personally and passionately and that you're precious to him, you need to ask him. And I, I walked home to my dorm that night saying, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, I, I don't know his love like he mm -hmm. described. And so I went to bed that night with the prayer on my lips, just that, Lord, if you love me like that man talked about, I need you to show me. And... Uh, Somehow he got inside my heart that night, and I woke up the next morning, and I knew, I knew that I was loved, and I knew that I was precious to him, and it changed everything. Mm. And that was just the beginning. You <laughs> woke up in the same place, but you felt completely different. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's and 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 the thing was, you know, because I'd been to church my whole life. I, I talk about it like uh, there's a chapter in the Bible that talks about the lost coin. And the lost coin was a precious thing that was lost in the house. I was lost in the house, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I went to church my whole life, but I didn't know Jesus. Yeah. And um, so that night, everything changed. And what, what was so dramatic was, um, like Pastor Bill Sammons always talks about, somebody messed with the Bible. <laughs> I tried to read the Bible my whole life, but it was always a, a dull, dry history book. But after that encounter, um, I saw life in the scriptures and it was I couldn't get enough of it and this ministry InterVarsity had they had probably a, at least one Bible study in every dorm they had people trained and planted so to speak <laughs> and I started Smart. going to I started going to as many Bible studies as I could dorm to dorm to dorm mm -hmm. because I was just so hungry for for the word of God did you come to a place while you were in college that you began to lead a group yourself? Yeah, the very next year okay. I started I started leading Bible studies and and we had one group called we called a covenant group that was like closer than some of the Bible studies where we were really trying to help disciple each other and help mm -hmm. each other grow. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. The accountability of that is so important. Right? Yes. Yes. Wow, that that 
speaks so much to me of what I know of you because I've seen <laughs> you have such a deep love for the Lord and a passion for studying His Word and for sharing His Word. And I've actually sat under your teaching <laughs> in, a ch- in church services and heard you uh, share the gospel and know that it is it goes deep into your soul. And so the beautiful. I can't I can't describe it, but I just know that it's God. I know that He He does have a hold of my heart. Yeah. And he's He's everything to me. I'm I'm a single, never married woman, and it gave me time to to focus. Um, I know I lived in an apartment in Millsboro for, I think, 17 years, and I really was not involved in, in much outward ministry, um, except that I studied and, and just gained so much from my personal time with the Lord during those years. And then all of a sudden, everything shifted, and I began to be involved with Master's Commission. I don't know if you've heard of mm-hmm. Master's Commission, but uh, I became a house mom for some of the students that, w- that were there. And that was kind of a funny story, too, if I can tell that. Sure. Um, we were praying for the, the opening of Master's Commission at, at Dagsboro Church of God, and we didn't have enough home openers, you know, people to receive the students. And, and there was a, um, a financial need as well. And so we were praying through all of these needs, and after the prayer meeting was over, I was talking to the administrators, and out of my mouth, without any prior thought, came, hey, if you find a house, I'll be a house mom. And within a week, somebody had, who has an extra house? Somebody (laughs) had an extra house on their property that needed to be cleaned up, and we ended up moving in there, and suddenly I was the house mom for six young women that were, you know, on fire to seek the Lord, and that was life-changing. Was it a little scary, too? <laughs> it was. That's but, a lot of responsibility. But all of a sudden, it was like everything that I had ever invested in Scripture and had been invested in me. Yeah. I, was, I was praying for them, sharing Scripture with them pra- practically every day. Yeah. And, it, and it was like an, an outflow from something that had been building up inside yes. for a long time. Sure. And, you know, some of them still call me Mama C, and it's, it's really been an amazing thing. So that speaks so Im- to that speaks to how important it is to say what we really mean because there's <laughs> power in our words, right? Yes. So you yes. spoke that, and and it felt like <laughs> it came from somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say? Wait, as what? soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> no. That's so great. You yeah. mentioned being single. Was that something that you kind of always knew, or you? No, that five-year plan I mentioned earlier. Yeah, included <laughs> included, included marriage yeah. and children okay. and all of that. I I had uh, expected to to be married before mm-hmm. I was twenty-five. Um, hoped to be, but uh, things didn't work out the way I had had thought. And really, my journey with singleness has become what I what I call a means of grace. Because when you, when things don't work out the way you want, you can either, you have a choice in how you respond to that. And, and there was a time when I was 28, I remember one particular night where I was just really angry with God. And I, um, I really cried out to Him, first in anger and then in pain, because I had this lie in my head that I was single as a punishment for something I had done wrong or something I had 
not done that I should have done and uh, that was such a lie and uh, that night began a, a pursuit of Jesus that was deeper than before and I um, probably within the next few years I, I, I'll share a very personal encounter that I had with the Lord I was in that apartment that I mentioned earlier and I got to that place in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 where Paul's really saying being single is better. Mm -hmm. And I put my finger on that verse and I held it up in the air and I said to God, I said, this, Paul is saying this, that being single is better and I don't see it. The world doesn't show this to me. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, if, you, if this is better for me, then I need you to do something in me. I need you to show me. I need you to help me. And I was, you know, just went on with my devotions. And inside of a week, I was in my morning devotions before, before school. And uh, I felt the presence of the Lord come. And it was like, he came and he came and he came and he came. And it was like, I almost couldn't take it anymore mm -hmm. because his presence was so strong. I was weeping for his beauty and his presence. And, and of course, I didn't see him with my eyes, I didn't hear him with my ears, but the impression that was laid upon my heart was, this is why single is better for you, because you can have me in this deep, rich way. Mm -hmm. And then he began to show me that, um, that I could go at a moment's notice wherever he wanted me to go, and I didn't need to uh, clear it with this person or that person, I didn't need to shuffle things around to make it happen, but Anyway, he, he, everything changed from that point on because I began to see my singleness as a gift. Mm. And so, yeah, came full circle there. What a powerful moment and revelation for you. Life-changing, it really was. And for somebody who's listening right now who has never had an experience like that before, mm -hmm. that is something that we all can have that, that God really desires that we would just pour out like you mentioned you went through stages mm -hmm. you know there was anger and then there was pain and mm -hmm. um and then there was just waiting you know trying to be patient in the yeah. waiting and asking yeah. the questions um wherever we struggle wherever we feel weak wherever we feel like even where we feel like that the enemy of our soul has done something to us if we'll bring that to the Lord, you know, that, that my grace is sufficient for you. Yes. I have grace on my life for being single. I have grace on my life to be able to serve however I can because He makes up for my lack. He mm -hmm. makes up for what I, what I, even what I think I don't have. He's, he's it. Yeah. That's beautiful. All right, how did missions come into all of this? Because, was that something that was on your heart from being, <laughs> no. when you were a child? Well, well um, my parents took us on vacations frequently, um, not foreign vacations, but we, so I loved to travel. That was the only thing I think that was naturally in my favor. <laughs> in fact, I joke about this because back in the day when we were in the church in the hardware store and yeah. at Eagle's Nest, mm -hmm. um, they were doing some sort of gift analysis and things like that. And I don't remember whether I did it through that or did it through the, the um, something online or something. But, but uh, my, my tendency towards missions was about 2%. <laughs> 
still have a 98% chance that I would never be involved in missions. But, you know, no kidding. God, God has another story, oh, yeah. the, another, another plan. And so, um, so you know, I, I remember taking that test. And, of course, I got strong in teaching, which, duh. Yes. I uh, was a teacher for 30-some years. That's your gift. Your <laughs> yeah. Gift. Yeah. And then um, also in perceiving, they called it perceiving or, you know, sort mm-hmm. of prophetic types of things. But the the missions thing was pretty laughable. And um, I don't know how much time passed, maybe a year or so, um, at at Eagle's Nest. I was sitting in Bible study one night. In fact, Pastor Rick was teaching, not Pastor Bill. Pastor Rick Betts was teaching. And I'm, you know, on the edge of my seat taking notes like usual. And um, all of a sudden, it was like somebody turned a radio on in my head and I heard an audible voice you will be my disciple in a foreign land. And it was so dramatic to me that I actually did turn around and look at the people behind me to see if they had said that to oh, me. Wow. I wrote it down on the top yeah. of my paper, and I was smart enough to know not to go jump on a plane or a ship or anything <laughs> like that, but I just sort of tucked it away yeah. as if, well, God, if you have to do something if, if this is what your plan is, because I, I don't even know what that means or how to begin. He didn't say missionary. He just said, you'll be my disciple in a foreign land. Mm-hmm. And within a year or so, Eagle's Nest uh, started its first youth mission trip. And I just, because, because the word of the Lord came to me, I was open to that. Yeah. I was open to an opportunity. And so when the youth were going to go, I was helping the, you know, Jim Anderson with the young people. And I, um, I said yes to being a chaperone. That's all it took. <laughs> I said yes to being a chaperone. We went to to Mexico in 1997, and just a, a two-week trip with uh, I don't know. There was a group of about 25 or 30 of us, mm-hmm. and um, we split up into two teams. When we got there, we had a one-day orientation, and one one team went to Tamala. Another team went to a place with where I was at Agua Tapada, and. For me, it was huge culture shock because uh, people were living in cabins, cooking over fires. There was no running water. There was, you know, the outhouse, the baño, and um, and and in the baño, in the outhouse, was the the toilet itself was a hollowed out tree stump. I mean, it was just huge culture shock, and wow. I and I was dirty, and I was cranky, and I didn't sleep well. There were fleas in my bed. There was, you know, the, it was all kinds of physical things that were like against me. You know, I didn't yes. like the food, and uh, I was a struggle. But there I was with the young people, and I'm on the outside. I'm trying to put a good face on for the kids. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, be the right, yeah. really the right <laughs> model for them. And but on the inside. I'm, I'm arguing and fussing, yeah. but we had brought a, a pastor with us, a translator and pastor. He's preaching powerfully, and the, um, the, the messages, whatever it was he was preaching, because I didn't understand mm-hmm. Spanish at the time at all, mm-hmm. uh, when he uh, was ministering to people, there was a powerful outpouring. We saw people getting saved, people getting healed, people getting powerfully touched by the Spirit of God. In fact, you know, some people were, were, were as we say, dropping it under the power of God, and people had to catch them because they were so overcome with the power of God. And uh, wow. 
So I'm, I'm running back and forth in between people in the front and the kids trying to help them understand because they'd never seen anything like it. And uh, the third night of that, I just suddenly became extremely ashamed of myself. And uh, I, I, I told the Lord I, at that moment, it was like a decisive moment where I just said, I don't care where I sleep. I don't care what I have to eat. I don't care how dirty I get. I just want to be in the middle of what you're doing. And uh, again, another dramatic life change moment happened right then because, because after that moment, I didn't care anymore. And um, ended up going back to Mexico, I don't know, 12 or 15 times. Um, wow. Um, and then later got involved with um, missions in Ghana and been to, to Ghana four times. But my, one of the things I love about where I am with missions right now is somehow over the years, relationships and contacts. I have, I have friends that are, are missionaries in the Philippines. I knew people that were in China, now they're home. But I have contact with people in Turkey, people in Ghana, in various places in the world. And um, I'm, I'm like, a, like a liaison between some people and then the local churches and the ministries here. And um, it's just a wonderful thing mm. that's happening. It's powerful that God would let you be part of missions that's happening abroad and then put you in a position that you you understand what missionaries are dealing with day in and day out. I have a little bit of taste of that, yeah. yeah. So um, you can, when you're speaking to people who have never been outside of, of your own country, some not even outside of our own state, mm -hmm. you know, could get a, a better understanding and maybe just a little taste of what they're experiencing. Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing on my heart for missions right now is um, unreached people groups. Mm. And if I can take a, an opportunity to share that, um, thank you. Yeah. There are, you know, a certain number of people groups in the world and those who are at the current time that you would be considered unreached or and when you say unreached we're saying less than two percent of the population know jesus less than that and there are some people groups where it's practically zero or is zero wow of people that don't know jesus and how i how i describe it is comparing things from here to there in the united states even right here in delaware if, if I drove a stake in the ground and ran out a line of a radius of about 50 miles and drew a big circle, there would probably be anywhere from 600 to 800 churches that are here inside that, inside that diameter, inside that circle. There are places in the world where you could drive a stake in the ground, run the line out 200 miles and make a big circle and there would be zero churches zero Christians wow. and so there are people groups that have no witness we call them frontier groups that that really they need an encounter they need an engagement and um, the part that burdens my heart and for why I want to share that now is is that um, most churches of course are involved in outreach most churches are involved in getting the gospel to people which is of course what we should be doing but we really need to ask the Lord to put the burden on our hearts for unreached people groups because of all the money, the statistics are clear, of all the money that churches are spending, Christian churches are spending 
About 99% of their funding for outreach is going to where the church already exists, where the church already is. And yet there's this great need of people in places that are going to hell because they don't know the Lord and they don't have a witness. And so we need to, to, to take some of those funds that are going you know, to places where the church already is and distribute them to, to places and people. There, there are people groups, or actually there are organizations, mission organizations, um, like Finishing the Task. That organization uh, takes statistics of how many people groups there are left that are unreached, how many languages are yet to be translated into scripture, and they, they manage all of those numbers. And within the last, I think, five years, they've been starting to have conferences with all of the major mission-sending mission organizations. And they're strategizing now how to get them, mm. how to, you know, and, and people have been, it's been a big move of the Spirit of God because these organizations are starting to cooperate with one another. And they're starting to say, well, well, I have, you know, these Jesus Film Vista Packs and I can share them with you and you can, you know, I have this language, you know, tool or something, whatever it is, and they're starting to work together. And what the exciting thing is, as they start to take responsibility for these groups, if they get the funding from the churches, it's, it's highly possible within our lifetime that every people group can be reached and Matthew 24, 14 can become a reality. That's the commission, mm -hmm. the great commission to go and Matthew 24:14 says that and this gospel shall be preached to all, you know as a witness to all the nations yeah. and then the end will come. Yes. And we're like yeah. wow. Yeah, so many times we'll say, "Oh, I just wish that Jesus would come back." I'm just ready. I'm just ready. The thing is, there are so many people who aren't ready. Yeah. Because they've never heard the gospel. Yeah. So what can we do? Uh, unless we have felt the tug on our heart to actually go ourselves so so few can mm -hmm. so what can we do well there's always the the big three things either either i pray i give or i go <laughs> <laughs> and so those those are the big three yeah. and if you can't go um then invest you know seek yeah. seek out seek out one of these organizations you can google stuff like this like emissions for unreached people groups and there's all kinds of things that will come up and uh you know you can contact me and i yeah. can refer you know refer people and ask your churches to start start searching um or go online and get a list of unreached people groups and adopt one and pray pray for those people group you know, yeah. that people group yeah. um and there's there's some awesome online global prayer groups i'm involved in one that's that uh, is called global family prayer they've been praying for the nations for three years 24 7 um it's, it's pretty steady you know they've never never really dropped off they're still praying and i, I just join in on wednesday mornings at 6 a.m so uh, it's something any of us can join into to pray for the nations yeah, yeah. and you find out more you learn more you develop contacts and um, or go to a mission conference, mm -hmm. you get con connected. Yeah. All right, so you are, would you say you're retired now? From? <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. 
I, I am I retired s- from the public school system. <laughs> I, yes. I know somebody in my life who has recently retired, <laughs> and I said, I'm pretty sure that God never mentioned retirement in the Bible. Uh, well, in the, I think there's in the Old Testament, there's something about the, the priest, you know, that they, after so many years, they can come off and stuff. But yeah, yeah I mean, you're right. Yeah. We, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Yeah. And I think that that also speaks to the fact that we just keep going until, until he takes us home. Yes. It doesn't matter how young or how old we are, mm-hmm. that there is a mission that God's given each of us a purpose. That's right. That's right. And and as you're as you're praying over those things, the purposes of your life and stuff, you um, the key is not to worry so much about where and what and how, but it's draw closer to the Lord. And he just opens the doors and makes those things happen. Our our focus is to delight ourselves in him. Mm-hmm. Our focus is to is to know him and seek him, and then he he'll lead us by his spirit. That's so good, Cheryl. Mm. So good. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Rims of Mugs, made possible by Iconic Sparkle. Get fun and fashionable accessories, such as necklaces, earrings, and bracelets that can go with any outfit for any occasion for just $5. Owner Mandy Heinch desires to change the world through her accessories and what it allows her to offer. Fashion accessory advice, boosting confidence, and training those who want to start their own business. Learn more at IconicSparkle.com or on their app. So a few, I don't know how many years ago it was that you walked through cancer. Uh, Yeah. Would you share about that? Um, 2019, um, I had a diagnosis of a cancerous tumor, breast cancer. Um, The mammogram revealed that it was there. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where you have the mammogram, they call you back, they take more pictures, mm-hmm. then they send you for this, and then they send you for that, and then you get the, you know, you have the biopsy, and then immediately, you know, within a day or two, the doctor calls you and said, get in my office right away, and you know, you know, the bad news is coming, um, and so... My mom and dad were insistent on going with me, and I, t- I said to them in the car on the way to the to the doctor's office before we ever heard the word. I, I said, you know, cancer, of course, is a battle. I said, but but I think fear is going to be the bigger battle, mm. is what I said. And for me, that that was true. Um, I had, uh, you know, a partial mastectomy. Um, they, the tumor itself, thank the Lord, was, was about the size of the tip of your pinky. It was like one centimeter, mm. and it was very small, thank the Lord, and considered stage one. Uh, so it was, you know, removed early. And when they, when they took the flesh out around it, they took out the, about the size of an egg. So I had great confidence that they had gotten it all, and there were clear margins. No lymph nodes were involved. So, so all of those were good things for me. Um, and I, ha- I felt, I know this is not the way, and I'm not professing this for other people, but I chose not to have radiation. It just, when I prayed about it, I felt, I was like more afraid of what the radiation would do to me than how it would help me. I chose to, to not have that. I have been monitored since then, every, you know, however many months mm-hmm. I followed up with the program. And in fact, I'm coming up on the, my five-year freedom date wow. coming up in April or May. Um, of this year 
so thank the Lord for all of that. But but the real challenge for me was was fear. Um, in the midst of the journey, uh, with the surgery and the recovery and and all of that, with all the doctor's appointments, that was that was a certain measure of a challenge for me. But but I felt people's prayers. I felt just the upwelling of the Lord carrying me through, and it was great peace and a, and a great sense of well-being for me through that. But what happened to me uh, was about six or nine months after all of that, um, I started having pain in the area of where the surgery was. And and the, the doctors would say, I would tell them, and they would say, cancer doesn't come back with pain. Cancer's sneaky. You don't usually know it's there. And so they were, you know, and of course, all my mammograms have been clear. Thank the Lord since then. But but I had this irrational fear. And of course, that comes from our the enemy of our soul. Yeah. And, and it was, it really took a hold of me. And it was to the point where I, um, when I had pain, I... I couldn't sleep and then your mind runs away with you and you think oh my gosh it's, it's back it's it's back and I was stupid not to have radiation or you know something like that you know I, maybe I should have and all these second guessings and and so um, I got to a point when I was out of control with the fear um, well, I say, I lived my life in a normal day. I was fine while I was busy, but it's when you lay down at night and your thoughts start to, to yes. go, and they would just run like crazy, and I think, oh my gosh, should I, should I sell my house? Should I give my dog away? Should I be preparing for death is the kind of things that was, the fear was doing to me. And I finally got to a place where I said, <laughs> I said, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why... Am I allowing this fear to run rampant in me? And I, there's a in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah says, "Am I am I a man that I should be afraid?" And I said that to myself as a woman. Am I a woman that should be afraid? Not when I have all these thousands of scriptures right here and the faithfulness of the Lord that I know and I know He loves me. And so I, I it's like I drew a line in the sand that day and I said, "I'm I'm I'm going to tackle this enemy of fear." And I'm going to keep fighting till I win. Mm. And uh, I, my first act after making those decisions were to, to, to get about 40 scriptures, write them out on little index cards, and I put them on a shower ring, and I carried them with me. And mm -hmm. mostly they were on my nightstand by my bed because I would wake up. That's where at, you needed them yeah. most. Yeah. And so I would, when, when I had this attack, I would just start speaking the scriptures. And I had, I had learned the power of the word over the years and, and the power of the spoken word of God, yeah, yeah. of us releasing that and I encourage people to, to get get strong in that area because I, I know we were in a revival one time and the speakers were saying, you know, they were going to teach us something and they said, okay, everybody everybody that's able get up and stand on your chair and we were like in church, you want us all to stand on our chair? Can we do but, that? But yeah, but so most of us, most of us did it. You know that we're able to, and I'm standing on my chair. And he, he gives us the word in Isaiah 50 verse seven, and I, I think it says, "For I know." Uh, let me let me look it yeah, up absolutely. so I make sure I I get it right. Yep. But Isaiah 50 verse seven, 
that that has become my my first go-to when I'm in a spiritual battle. It's for I know the Lord helps me. That's how it starts. For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. And he had us speak that, and he had us repeat it, and he had us repeat it and repeat it. And by the time we were repeating it, we were like, yeah, let's go. We're just going to win this battle. And I love it. And, and it was amazing what he did. And, and so I took that verse, and the very next time I felt like I was under the weight of the world. And, yeah. And like I was drowning, I cleared off my coffee table, stood on my coffee table, and I was like, for I know the Lord helps me, and therefore I... And I was like real puny voice at first, because when you're depressed or you're anxious or you're worried, yeah. you don't have much with you. But, but every time you repeat it, you repeat it, you repeat it, you feel a strength rising up inside of you, and then you sense that very air around you changes yes. because of the Word of God. Yeah. And the voice of His Word is powerful. That's... That is a great story. So that delivered me from fear, but it took it took a few months of that um, to to really get to a place where. And now, now I I'm like, uh, of course I may have to battle this again in my life, but but I have this this resiliency, this resolute firmness inside of me now that I am never going to give in to fear again. Never yeah. going to do it. There's something in us that when we've seen God move it strengthens us for the next battle Mm -hmm. because we know he did it before so we know he can do it again and a a lot of people wonder you know why is this happening to me why is you know and and jesus said offenses would come jesus said that you know in this world you have tribulation but he joins us in the battle and empowers us and teaches us to fight teaches how to fight spiritually Mm. amen what a strong story. God a strong Lord. <laughs> <laughs> he has good plans for us. Yes. Even even in the hard places because you would you you yourself are saying right now the things that you've learned, the fear that you've conquered. Not not by your means, but by the power, the power of, of his word his and his word. nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are life lessons that mm-hmm. serve us well. Amen. And not only you, but they've they uh, impact the people around you. Your circle of influence has seen the power of God. In well, it's your like life. those. It's like when the Lord let me be the house mom of those young people, and when they hit the battle, and you can share with them, you know, this is what the Lord has yeah. done for me. And and I remember, you know, when I was learning to use the Scripture, like I just described, putting that word in somebody else's mouth. Mm-hmm. And, and teaching them to fight. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what what have you dreamed that hasn't come true yet? Or what is it that you see <gasps> on the horizon? I, I have had a dream for a long time and um, a couple of things. Um, one is I, I so love teaching the word and um, being able to 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 continue to do that and minister the scriptures, um, and and Pastor Bill sat me down one time and he said, you know, this wasn't that long ago. He said, you know, you you have so much word inside of you. You need to release it. You need to share it. And 
And so I, I had a friend urging me to start a podcast, so I did start a podcast. But I would, I would love to minister the word wherever the Lord would take me. But, but for missions, I still, um, I still have a heart to go. And, uh, and, I, and even in my dream, I guess, would be that wherever I have a contact in the world, I would love to go, spend a month with them, and then go to the next place and spend a month with them and, yeah. and learn what I can learn or serve how I can serve. And, uh, but um, but I, I have a mom. You know, my father passed away last year, and um, my mom... She's my mission right now, um, and so some of my foreign travel is limited because uh, she needs me, yes. and uh, I need her. Yeah. <laughs> I want to enjoy her as long as I can. Yeah. Precious time that you have yeah. with her. Yeah, so, yeah, that's good. But those Anything else things. that's on your heart that you want to share before we wrap? Um, no, you've allowed me to share so much. <laughs> In fact, you haven't gotten to talk much because I've talked the whole time. <laughs> well, I love well, that you would be willing to share what God has done. and to, Just to give Him glory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and to help other people along the way. And I, I thank you. Um, you. You have so much grace and so much gentleness that the Lord moves through that in your life. And, and it, you make this easy for people. So thank you. Well, it's been my pleasure and a privilege. And I want to say thank you, Cheryl, for joining me today. You're welcome. And it's not easy to kind of pull back some of the chapters, go through and relive some of the hard places in our lives. And so for you to be willing to do that today and to share honestly and openly, that's beautiful. I want to say thank you to Rise Up Coffee in Rehoboth. We're delicious. The... uh, (laughs) Coffee roasters. I mean, this is just a phenomenal. And, and place. I'm a tea girl, so this <laughs> this is this is a London Fog latte. So oh, they can handle the tea drinkers too. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, if you have questions or comments, we are going to take some of um, the missions uh, information that you have. We're going to put that in the show notes. So if that's something that God's laying on your heart that you'd like to maybe do some more investigating, praying over investing in however God moves on your heart to be involved we want to make that possible but if you have questions or comments and the probably the best way to do that is to email us at podcast at wearethebridge.org and I'm just grateful for you today thank you for listening thank yes, you for thank watching you. till our next sip I'm Denise Harper <laughs> with Over the Rims of Mugs We were never meant to journey alone. Whether you're having a great day or a hard one, we need each other to celebrate and to stand in the gap. Sharing our stories helps remind us that we're not alone. And when we sit with women who sit at the feet of Jesus, the conversations are different. We walk away feeling inspired, not inferior, because we know this Christian walk is a race, but not a competition. Thank you for listening to this episode of Over the Rims of Mugs. To share a comment, suggest a topic, or ask a question, email us, podcast at wearethebridge.org. And please join me for a daily devotion on my blog entitled Treasured Inside. You can find it directly at deniseharper.blog or at wearethebridge.org slash devotion. Until our next sip, I'm your host, Denise Harper, encouraging you to catch up with a friend or make a new one and enjoy some good conversation over the rims of mugs.